Good Friday morning to you. How y'all feel? How y'all feeling today? I am Chris, host creator of Encouraging Your Spirit Podcast. I hope this message finds you doing well. I know that we have not had uh, a lot of episodes of the podcast this summer, in part because I've been on vacation, in part because I've really been thinking about how many episodes I can actually do um, in a month with everything that goes on in life in general, with school and work and family. So I apologize if it has not been uh, what listeners uh, all around the globe, I appreciate each and every one of you have been used to, meaning it used to be you get a new episode, you know, once a week or sometimes it would even be two episodes, but I have not had that ability to do that. And And then moving forward, I'm thinking at best I can possibly do three episodes um, uh, um, a month, three at the most, two at a minimum. Um, and I just I just wanted to share that <laughs> for uh, the listeners because I really appreciate each and every time anybody clicks on this podcast to hear it. Um, I've had to revamp things and think about uh content how you how you write it when you write it um because I literally started writing this podcast episode last week uh toward the end of last week but I didn't finish till this week so I just wanted to share that so you can call the first blurb of this message podcast news and information I hope your summer is continuing to go well. Uh, think about summer ending in, in many cases for many people, because if you have school age children or if you're uh, a person that works uh, in school systems or university settings uh, or like I said, has children, you know, children get ready to go back to school. Students are going back to school. I have lots of friends and family members who are taking uh, family members to college for the first time or returning or, you know, they're continuing their education, wherever you find yourself, know that I am praying with and for you. That's the, all the announcements I have thus far. I probably should have started with that, but those are what you call podcast announcements. So let's get to our podcast for today. When you get a chance, uh, or if you have a chance to turn to uh, Exodus 25, 22, and that's the scripture that we're we're looking at today. And it says, I will meet with you above the mercy seat between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony. I will speak with you from there about all that I command you regarding the Israelites. And that's Exodus 25, 22. I just want to say we're talking about lessons uh, for daily living from the mercy seat or about the mercy seat. That's what we're talking about today. And I, I want to say we're talking about the mercy seat as a dwelling we won't necessarily be focusing on it from the aspect of atonement of sins I do always share that so one of the things I like to do with with teaching is thinking about the context of the scripture the who what where when and why who were they talking why were why were they talking what was going on so in Exodus Moses is writing about the experiences of the Israelites in the deserts the Israelites were living in uh the in-between stage they had uh they had been delivered from slavery but they had not yet reached the promised land while they were traveling from Mount Sinai to Canaan God had told them to build a tabernacle where the ark of the testimony was kept you, you might be asking where was that earlier scripture in Exodus we read 25 to 22 so I'm talking about previous uh verses 
So the ark represented uh, the Lord's presence among uh, his people. In our verse today, the Hebrew word translated mercy seat here is kaporeth. It means covering. It comes from the verb kafar. It means to cover, to make an atonement. The mercy seat was to be made of pure gold, and it was to be about two and a half cubits long and one half cubits wide, which basically means it's about three and three-fourths feet long and two and one-fourth feet wide. The cherubim was made of gold, and the Israelites were to make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. They were to be shaped by hammering the gold into the shape of a cherub, and they were to be placed on opposite ends of the mercy seat. That is, they were to make one cherub at one end and the other at the other, and, and one cherub at the other end. Furthermore, they were to make the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat at its two ends with their wings spread upward covering the mercy seat with their wings facing them. And the faces uh, of the cherubim were to be turned toward the mercy seat. In case someone's wondering, what is a cherubim? It's a special class of angelic being that's associated with the presence of God. Uh, and the lesson of where have we read this before uh, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, I believe, uh, the cherubim guarded the entry into the Garden of Eden and the access to the Tree of Life. The mercy seat was a place where atonement was made for the people's sins. The ark was where the Lord would meet with you. You, in this case, is Moses. Uh, and uh, it, Moses would receive the revelation from the Lord and then pass it on to the people. Thus, the mercy seat was a place where the Israelites could make atonements for their sins and receive forgiveness from the holy and sovereign God. So, and just bringing context, I, Moses is one of my favorite biblical characters, probably because Moses spoke with God face to face. Uh, they met in a tent often, not just in the case of, of building the ark, but the relationship that Moses had with God is one that I've always deeply admired and I was also reading some time ago I think it's in John Bevere's book um the book about uh intimacy with God where John Bevere was writing uh his thoughts that Moses was not just trying to lead the people to the promised land but Moses's desire was that the people would have a similar relationship with God that Moses had, or at least that was an interpretation that I read in the book, which I think was was fascinating to, to bring up just in thought, because oftentimes I think when we talk about Israelites, uh, there are many lessons that the Israelites' life can, can give each and every one of us, yet I often think we often focus on just trying to get to the promised land and all the things you'll get when you get to the promised land. And while that's equally important or while that is good and important, and I don't necessarily mean just good, but I mean, while that's beneficial, there you go. Beneficial, I think the relationship part of the aspect of the relationship to spirit, to God is deeply uh, important. What does this mean, though, for our lives today? In this present moment, if you will, this past couple of weeks, I was reading uh, a post on the internet by Nadia Boltzweber. She has a great blog, great ministry. Check it out when you can. But she was writing about her experience 
sitting on a tarmac in Newark for four and a half hours. She wrote, nothing is working right now. No retail, not restaurants, not hotels, not air travel, not schools, not healthcare. I mean, it's all fraying at the edges because frustration and disappointment might be natural reactions to the fact that every sector seems uh, understaffed and undersupplied, but they don't. Uh, serve us. And she further writes, as the old guys in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, say, how can we live on life's terms right now? Because the terms have changed and there's not a whole lot we can do to change that, but maybe there's a lot we can do to bear it. Or another author wrote about how all her friends were buying houses, yet she struggled to buy groceries. Or I was reading on another post about how there were some that were elated about starting a family, yet there's some individuals that despite numerous attempts and various visits to the doctor and treatment, they have feel devastated and grief and disappointment that they have yet to be able to start a family. Or in some cases, some people are at the point where they say they'll never have the family that they wanted to uh, have. More than once, the author wrote about hanging her head in grief and disappointment or anger and shame because the current place she was in was not where she thought she'd be. I deeply identified with all of these buried perspectives. I took some vacation time this summer. I had used or lose on my job as far as you had to use the vacation time or she would lose it. Some parts of my vacation experience were glorious. It was great to go to the Jazz Fest in Rhode Island. Music, beaches, and great snacks are my favorite things. I celebrated a birthday, the honor and privilege to be alive with life in my body and breath in my lungs is one that I'll never take uh, for granted. While these things are true, it is also true that some part of summer and life in general uh, have felt somber have felt melancholy, uh, coupled with my own levels of grief and disappointment that summer has flown by and I thought I'd have more time or more things would be accomplished or that my own life has looked in past tense and presently looks in ways that I never thought that it would be. It's almost second nature to measure ourselves by where we are in life, isn't it? We define our position relationally, single, married, widowed, divorced. We define our position professionally, top of the ladder, bottom rung. We even define our emotional well-being in language that alludes to where we are with phrases like, I'm in a good place, or I'm in a top spot, or if we're really honest, Sometimes we uh, sometimes we our statements are we don't know where we are. It's a dry season. It's an uncertain season. I don't know what this space or place is. One person wrote in a post I saw most recently, why do we depend on defining ourselves by where we are? I wish I had the answer to that question because I'm a person, if I'm being transparent, that always thinks about where am I? Is this where I thought I would be? Where am I trying to go? What's, what's happening here? 
Perhaps it's because deep down we've bought into the belief that where we are in life defines who we are in life. But what if that notion isn't true? What does this mean uh, for our lives today? Because I know I've covered, you know, the ark and I've testimony. I've talked about the mercy seat, and the dwelling space and place. I think the lesson of all of it is some seasons of our life are extremely fruitful. Some can be uncertain. All are valid. It doesn't mean me, you, us are off course. Also, like I said, bring up the mercy seat because one, uh, none of these thoughts have anything to do with the atonement of sins. It's not sinful in any way, shape, or form to look at your life and think I'm not where I, I thought I would be or to try to look at what's going on around us. There's, there's nothing sinful about that. I bring up the mercy seat because if I think of it in the context of dwelling, I know it's not an actual seat, if you will. Me, you, us have direct access to talk with Abba all about our lives and to wait to receive instruction, comfort, strength, everything that Abba provides for each and every one of us is totally okay. I don't know where you might find yourself this morning. I do hope that you are well. I also say that the mercy seat to me doesn't represent a place of judgment. I know oftentimes in many communities, that's often the view that people have of God or spirit is that, you know, judging you or pointing, you know, this finger at you and telling you that you're a horrible person or you're, and none of those things are true. In life, every season is different. Every season demands a different capacity from us as humans. Sometimes we will be busy and distracted. Sometimes we will feel like we have it all together. Sometimes we will feel close to God. Sometimes our season will be uncertain. Sometimes our season will be dry. And sometimes we'll feel far away from God. But we don't have to feel his presence to know that spirit is present. There's room for all of these seasons and experiences. Abba dwells with us in every single experience and season of our life. And the call is still the same to move forward or keep moving, keep going, to persevere. Abba works and is working in all the areas of our life, the seen and the unseen moments. And I think you know, no matter how we feel or what's going on in our lives, we we have to remember that or stir that 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 thought up in our, in our our spirit that you know there are times in our life where it's uncertain, where we do feel like we have it all together, or we're busy, or we're distracted. Doesn't mean that we're off course. It just means we're living living the dream, as they say, or living life, if you will. And I'm not trying to be smart or any kind of way. I'm just saying. I think there's room to have space for all of it. And I hope that as you reflect on that this week, wherever you find yourself in life, you point to yourself. Find that encouraging. That's all I have for you today. Let's close with a word of prayer, shall we? Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you that you are with us, that you are for us, that you delight in each and every one of us. Who are we? That you are mindful of us, we who have breath in our bodies and, and, and life in our lungs. Oh, 
however we would like to say it, you're with us and for us. We thank you for all that you're doing in us and around us. Help us as we continue to walk out at our, our walk out your plan and purpose for each and every one of our lives. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you so much. Hearts filled with gratitude. We thank you that whether our lives are busy, whether we're distracted, whether we're uncertain, whether we are in grief or disappointment, we know with absolute certainty, certainty that you hear us, that you see us, that you are with us and for us, and that your love is infinite, stronger than the power of the grave, higher than the mountains that we face, whether we're in the valley of the pit or on the mountaintop of celebration, you are with and for us that we can grab a hold to the strength that you teach us to fear not, for you are with us, that you have given us a sound mind. We thank you. We constantly seek to renew our mind and transform our thoughts and try to dig deeper in figuring out who you want to be for us and what it is that you would have us say and be and do and how we'll walk and move in the ways that you call us to walk and move in the spaces that you've called us to be in. We pray and lift up all those that are experiencing bereavement, their families that I know in Michigan that this weekend are burying their father, their families that I know that are experiencing housing insecurities, their families that I know that are experiencing uh, uncertainty because they're dropping their children off in schools and they won't be right away. So it's a new era of empty nest syndrome or their child is, you know, starting a, a new journey of being a college student. Be with them or people that I know that are returning to homes and it's just them because Bay is no longer there. Bay is deceased. And they're trying to figure out the new normal of their life. Help them, help them, help them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. I hope that something has been said that encourages you, that, that uplifts you. Please know that you're never alone. You can always reach out to the podcast, Encouraging Your Spirit Podcast at gmail.com. You be blessed and you have a great day. And I will talk with you next time. Peace.